This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast first appeared on Patreon. We're making it free to everyone because we thought the conversation was interesting, and given everything that's going on, the more widely heard it is, the better. If you'd like to support what we do at Arsblog, as well as getting ad-free podcasts, a preview podcast for every game, live streams, Discord chat, a free audiobook, and lots more, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash arsblog. That's patreon.com forward slash arsblog. Thanks. Hello and welcome to a bonus podcast exclusively for you guys here on Patreon. Thank you very much indeed for being here. As always, there is a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of takeover and takeover bids or takeover intentions anyway. Thierry Henry has been talking about it. And in the last few days, uh, Spotify co-founder Daniel Ek uh, had a meeting with the Arsenal Supporters Trust. So to talk about that, what went on in the meeting and the broad issue of the takeover, of ownership, and much more in English football. Uh, I'm joined by Tim Payton from the Arsenal Supporters Trust. Hi, Tim. Hi there. Can you tell us a little bit about this meeting with with Daniel Ek? Uh, He says he's serious. It's hard to get an understanding from from the outside of just how these plans are being put in place by him and and how serious he might be. What um, What was your sense of of his seriousness, if you like, his his willingness to to make this happen and and how far he's willing to go to make it happen. Well, Daniel Ek approached the Arsenal Supporters Trust and asked for a meeting. And, you know, we've we've you know us well over many years, I think. We work with those people we think may be influential at Arsenal. Historically there were different board members. You remember the years of the standoff with K- KSE and Red and White. And our view was always we met with and worked with people that we felt might have a role to play in making Arsenal better. And when we got the invitation to meet Daniel Ek, together with Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira and Dennis Bergkamp, I, I wasn't sure. And I still can't give you 100% mm. surety because, you know, I've had some conversations and meetings and swapping of messages. But I do think there is some genuine intent there. Like there is somebody who has given this quite a bit of thought, who was able to talk to us around issues that we have been raising for a long time, but have come into the fore, like supporter representation in the boardroom, like some form of golden share or supervisory board, like the opportunity to purchase equity, like the Arsenal fan share scheme we used to raise, used to have and, 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 mm. and, and raise investment in. There is... At the time, I saw some coverage that is this just a PR stunt or is this just a message put out on Twitter? It's certainly a lot more than that. There are, I know there are advisors involved. I know there is a work pro- process of getting to know people more. And I can take a, 
at face value what I felt was positive engagement with the Arsenal Supporters Trust. Doesn't mean we endorse the bid in any way. Haven't seen mm. nearly enough to do that. that. Doesn't mean we we know enough. But it does mean that what happened first of all, right at the beginning of the process, was an outreach, which I take very positively as a supporters group, which has always said, please put fans at the beginning of your thinking, not at the end of your thinking. Was there any inclination as to what the roles of the likes of Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, Patrick Vieira would be? Because, you know, if we're talking about an Arsenal football club that has suffered because ultimately we as fans feel like the best people have not been in charge or or the owners have not done their due diligence in terms of who they've appointed, right? And we could talk all day long about Gazidis recommending Sanyehi and and people taking things at face value or taking people's word for it rather than going and saying, well, look, let's go and find the best people we can find. Uh, you know, I and you and everybody listening to this loves those guys as players, absolutely loves them. And what they did for this club uh, on the pitch was amazing. Um in terms of off the pitch, I think all three of them have discovered that a post-playing career in the regular realm, so whether it's coaching, management, whatever it might be, is difficult. And they've had their ups and they've had their downs uh, along the way. So their involvement in something like this, is it is it ambassadorial? Is it executive? Is it, uh, you know, is there a plan? For example, Thierry Henry has spoken many times about how he wants to be Arsenal manager. Is this a way for Thierry Henry to become Arsenal manager, or is there any kind of clarity on that yet? I, I did ask this question, and there, there wasn't a, an answer that said, Thierry Henry will be doing this. There was an answer which said that there were three former players who'd been great representatives of Arsenal, who all described themselves as Arsenal fans now, despite what other clubs they've played for, and believe in the values of Arsenal, and they want, they've seen what has happened and they want to make Arsenal stronger. The other thing which they talked about very much, and I think Thierry Henry has said this on other platforms, he's of the view that if you had supporters, if you had directors who were Arsenal fans and they call themselves Arsenal fans and understanding the values, you wouldn't have had Arsenal joining the Super League. Because he is of the view that if Thierry Henry or Patrick Vieira had had an advisory role at the club, it wouldn't have got past their door, just like it wouldn't have got past the door of Arsenal fans. Uh, and it's very much been couched mm. that where they're using the phrase, I think we might have said it to them, that the AST has long called for more Arsenal DNA on the board. What does that mean, Tim? independence and direction. What does well, Arsenal DNA mean to you, to you? What would your definition of Arsenal DNA be? Because it is quite vague. I, th- I think it can be quite vague, and I think it's something that is also perhaps more historic. But Arsenal DNA, to me, means people that understand the values of valuing sporting competition and merit, mm. that understand the values of fair play and everybody in the club being a community. So a boardroom that travels to away games, just like supporters do. A boardroom that understands what it is to support the club and want the club to succeed because of the satisfaction that comes from the football result rather than the impact that there is on the balance sheet. I I agree that it's becoming an increasingly sort of abstract concept and perhaps we over-romanticise it a bit as as fans in the modern game. But deep down, I think as fans, we all feel that the club is a part of us 
And I think that's when I use the word DNA. Mm. I mean, I think I, I want it. I want people who own the club or certainly not necessarily own the club because we have to be realistic in the modern world. But if you are an absent American investor and you can't be in London or won't be in London, I would like to think that if I was in that situation in reverse, I would want some people in London that had been involved in the club, knew the values of the club, had a feel for it in and around the boardroom and the executive structures and the decision-making processes so that the club doesn't, quite frankly, do just the most heinous thing that I've ever seen, which is announced that they're off to play in a breakaway Super League. Yeah, I mean, I have look, I mean, given the current ownership, you know, I do wonder if the presence of a Patrick Vieira or Thierry Henry on the board would have done much to prevent KSE deciding to take part in a Super League. You know, if they talked to any fan, they would have realised that there there would have been an objection, right? I I, I agree. And that probably moves me on to what I think has been more important about what the AST said to Daniel Ek, but actually what we're also saying to Cronky and what most importantly we're saying to the government review which is you need to put in place regulatory structures and controls that mean that you can actually stop Stan Kroenke doing it. Because okay. I'm totally with you. Yeah. If it, you know, you know, if if it had been a greater role for the AST or a greater role for Patrick Vieira, I don't think it would have stopped Stan Kroenke while he owns 100% of the club without there being any check or balance. But if you could move to some form of advisory board, if you could move to some form of golden share type approach, or even if you could move through some kind of strengthened powers through the Football Association and the Premier League, which include consulting with supporters, you would get the block. And one of the most extraordinary things actually occurred yesterday in in the 15, 20 years I've been working in this area, which is the Premier League said that they wanted to update their rule book mm. with some of these golden share requirements, including that you couldn't break away to a, a, another league. And they've actually asked the government to introduce legislation to ring fence or, or rather to, to stand behind that power. So there are some quite extraordinary things going on at the moment. And that is what the AST has very much in the last few weeks been trying to drive and lead the debate on. It's why we met Boris Johnson. It's why we'll be very closely involved in in the government review that Tracy Crouch will lead. Explain to me just, you know, the uh, the, the golden share concept, because this is a phrase I've heard uh, thrown around a bit, and Thierry Henry mentioned it on Sky Sports. And, uh, you know, just to sort of outline, what exactly does that mean? What is a golden share and what would it do? A, a golden share is, in effect, a voting right that can, that can trump all other votes. So it's like a strategic voting right so, for instance, the government, when it sells companies, sometimes holds on to a golden share to stop that company being sold overseas or to stop that company doing something that might be against the national interest. In football, let me give you some examples of where I think you could have a golden share right. Without the approval of the supporters or whoever holds a golden share, you couldn't move home games away from Islington. Mm. You couldn't break away and play in a franchise league. You couldn't change the name of the team or the club colours. Yeah, certain yeah. certain things that are, Sacrosanct. are so fundamental and custodianship to the club. I don't think you're talking about golden shares to decide who the manager should be <laughs> or, where, or whether William could, should come on in the 70th minute, although I'm sure you'd pay a bit for that golden share. I might, uh, I might. But, you know, very much about 
very much about real fundamental things that are about the the football club being a community and social asset and where you ought, where you ought, where there ought to be a power greater than the economic interest to decide what happens let me ask you this then how on earth does that come to pass which owner whether it's Cronkies or Glazers or Abramovich or or Sheikh Mansour or whoever it is FSG all the way down the league which owner is going to in inverted commas invest in a football club and hand over some power to uh, an amorphous fan group, a fan collective, whoever it is now. I know you're talking about legislation being put in place. You're talking about a fundamental change in, I guess, company law, right? So these are limited companies, basically. So how can realistically the government or any government review change the rules specifically for football or can they is that is it workable in any in any way it 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 can be done and it will require regulatory change it could be done through the premier league rule book or the fa's regulation the fa already has a golden share in the premier league on certain decisions uh so there are those arrangements and yesterday the premier league have in effect introduced or trying to introduce a golden share approach in a slightly different way but it could also come through an independent regulator you'll know that we have you know Ofcom who regulate the broadcast industry Mm. maybe government has to look at having an off foot or maybe there are some tweaks to company law where parliament would accept that football clubs have this unique status that don't really make them like companies and Therefore, there is a there is a way into introducing it into competition law. You're right to say it's a it's a big ask. But where I would where I would turn it back to you is most of these issues. I would say a good owner wouldn't have any problem with. Why would a good owner have a problem with a control over the name of the club and the colours, or the location that it plays in, or? not breaking away to join a Super League without the approval of the rest of the football community. I I think that most of what you would look for in a golden share, a responsible owner would accept and be on board for. Now, it's a very early days in a discussion and understanding what's going on, but Daniel Ek is telling us that he would be prepared to operate under those sorts of controls. He told me in the meeting when I asked him, he, you know, they have models like this in Sweden. He's very familiar with the German model where they have 50 plus one. So, yes, if you're Stan Kroenke, who clearly bought Arsenal for its media rights, and in effect, you could always see that the game was Mm. to create a franchise. Who cares if you come eighth or ninth in the Premier League? If you guarantee entry into a Super League every year, you don't have to worry about performance, do you? It becomes the entertainment business. But I would say that a responsible owner would not have any problems with the vast majority, if not all, of what the Golden Share was about. Uh, the statement that you guys put out today uh, on the website, the arsenaltrust.org website, um, you say, change at Arsenal must include the opportunity for supporters to own an equity stake in their club. Uh, fans should also have a greater say in how their club is run. And look, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here a little bit in that we associate greater fan involvement with with improvement, let's say. Certainly at Arsenal, we think, okay, if we can get some fan involvement, some fan uh, representation on the board, things will be better. You know, 
as well as I know, and everyone listening to this knows, that if you were to put three Arsenal fans in a room, pick a topic, and let them sort of tweet at each other for five minutes, it would descend into craziness. So realistically, how does how do you, as a, as a fan representative group, um, well, you represent your members rather than the fans. I think it's uh, fair to point that out. But how how do you envisage that working in the sense of like, well, who is the representative? Who decides who's going to be the representative? What are the what are the uh, points of view that these representatives are going to hold? Because like, you know, let's say between yourself, Black Scarf, Arsenal Independent Supporters Association, various other associations, you may well have very different ideas on, on certain matters. So, you know, is, A, how is that going to work? And B, is there possibly an idea that fan involvement in football clubs is um, like, look at Barcelona. This is a club that is run by the fans. Now, I know there's politics and it's big business and all that kind of stuff, but Barcelona are currently a, a billion euros in debt. And this is a club that's run by fans. So how do you how do you bring those two things together? Like the assurance that fan involvement is going to is going to help beyond the the sense that most people would have right now, well, it can't be much worse than what Kroenke is doing anyway. I think we need to sort of step back from that a little bit and genuinely think objectively about how, if change is going to be made, it is for uh, the improvement of, of Arsenal, of football in general, and not simply because it's something different. Yes, it's a, it's a really good question. And I think that you do it partly by having regulatory structures that ensure that you don't have the abuse or the misrunning of a football club on whatever structure mm. it is. I think Barcelona are, are a classic example of how things can go wrong in another way, where you almost have a race to the bottom with, I'll vote for the president that promises to take a £250 million bank loan to buy the star player this week because yeah. that's what we want. You know, spend, spend, spend. And the, the German models clearly work much better. But at the moment, what I think we need to do is really now have some good thinking with the government, with the Premier League. There are various ways you could do it. You could have independent directors. They don't even necessarily have to be a supporter, but they could have in their terms of reference duty to, to look after the custodian interest, the sporting interest, rather than the financial interest. Mm. So, you know, not about making profit. You could have a model, the Arsenal Supporters Trust. What we'd really like to see is some equity made available um, for lots of reasons. One, we hear that Arsenal are really struggling financially. Imagine how empowering it would be if you could buy your £100 share, but you knew your £100 was going into the club, not into the pockets of the shareholder you bought it from. So you were making Arsenal a stronger institution. But with that £100 came the golden share voting right. So not only were you putting some money in, but you were taking a real stake in your club around some key issues. Perhaps I've heard others say that you have some form of supporters trust model. Now, I would say probably support the supporters trust model, but I am one. But the Arsenal Supporters Trust is the only supporters group. You know, we're, we're regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority ourselves. We produce reports and accounts. We're all democratically elected by the full membership. It there. So perhaps there's something in the structure that produces as much accountability as you can. Any Anybody has, has the choice to join and can influence the decision-making. There are various ways of doing it, and I think you've got to be sceptical and test for thinking on all of them to think 
do they actually work? What are the downsides? One of the things people say to me sometimes jokingly, or they'll say, I think you've had Nigel Phillips and Apple Vias on recently. Oh, you just want a seat on the board. And I was like, well, I'm not sure I do. Because first of all, if I just had a seat on the board, I'd have all the fiduciary duties and legal duties of being a board member. I wouldn't be able to come on Ask Blog and be accountable or talk to you because I'd obviously have the duties to the company. Could You know, if there'd been a vote in the boardroom about whether the manager's contract is extended or not, you're mm. bound by the collective decision-making. You can't go out and say who voted what way to a fans meeting. So I think we have to think very carefully about the models that are involved and the checks and balances. But what I'm absolutely certain the last 10 years at Arsenal has shown us and the last four weeks has really shown us we, we can do better and we, we must make sure we come up with something better. Has there been uh, any... Um, I know lack of engagement from KSE has been a particular bugbear of yours for uh, for some time. Since all this went down, has there been any uh, olive branch is the wrong word, but you know, have you had any inclination that that this has had any kind of impact on KSE beyond? You know, what we heard from Josh Kroenke, he did appear at the fans forum meeting um, looking <laughs> looking quite uh, disheveled uh, and whatever else. But like, do, do you, I mean, after the week air, do you think there was maybe some optimism that, okay, they, they've seen how important it is to engage with fans. They didn't, um, not, not in any significant way. Do you think this is another wake-up call or do you think this is another uh, incident that's just going to sort of fall into the into the past and, and they'll carry on as normal? I think this is a wake-up call. I, there has been, you saw that Josh Conkey appeared at the fans forum and there has been some other reaching out. Um, we have, the, the message that we issued today around talking to uh, to Daniel Eck, you might have noticed that we we what we said we were asking Daniel Eck for, we're just as much asking the Cronky group for. You know, we, we believe that there should be methods for supporters to be represented into the boardroom. We think there should be discussion of some form of golden share. We think there should be looking at mechanisms to allow us to own some equity to it. And we have put some of those ideas, again, into Arsenal. And it's early days, but there, there is some suggestion and some movement that suggests that there is more listening and more contemplating going on. The past 10 years has has taught me to be extremely cautious about taking the word, the promise of any billionaire trying to invest in a football club, mm. which is why if this is my final hurrah of trying to make a difference in this area, the majority energy has to go into Tracy Crouch and the government's review because we need things that, that, that change because they're written down and they have to be done. You, you might remember the promises from Stan Kroenke to meet regularly and engage with supporters mm. made in the takeover document. They're not fulfilled once. We have to make sure that we don't get a few warm words for a few weeks and then go back to normal. And I believe we do that by working really closely with the government and making the case for structural change. A few quick things just before we finish. We saw what happened at Old Trafford at the weekend and the Liverpool Manchester United Liverpool game was called off and however you want to view that that is a powerful outcome for that particular protest I know people have different views on on how you should protest and all those kind of things I don't want to relitigate that I spoke about it with James on the Arscast Extra is there um, 
you know, a need or is there coordination between the fan groups? Because Manchester United Supporters Trust put out a very, very strong statement today aimed at the Glazers. Uh, Beyond that, though, are you guys also in contact with supporters groups of other football clubs who weren't in the big six? Because I think at the heart of the objection that we have as football fans for this Super League idea was the the element of competition that is what we all cherish about the premier league we all want to win the title you don't just want to be in the premier league and raking in your money from the super league and there's a respect from fans of arsenal and liverpool man united for the competition that we've been involved in for decades and decades and decades so is it is it a thing that you guys are are trying to garner support not just from the other clubs who are in that top six but all the football clubs in the Premier League and beyond in the Football League as well to to ensure that this is an issue that is for football and not just for as it might look from the outside fans who are just a bit pissed off with their billionaire owner and fancy a new billionaire owner if you're looking at it from a surface level from an arsenal perspective that's what some people would say they don't like this billionaire so they're running off to the other billionaire who's maybe a bit nicer than that one um so you know how 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 much work is going on behind the scenes with that a lot of work is going on behind the scenes with that so we are working with other supporters trusts with perhaps particularly closely with the other supporter trusts that have American owners, because we're in a very similar situation of mm. expectation and how we're managed, but with the others that were involved in the breakaway, but then also with, with supporter trusts outside of that movement and with the Football Supporters Authority and a lot at the moment with Football Supporters Europe, because we still think there's unfinished business with, I don't know how much you followed some of the changes that UEFA were going to make, largely with a gun held to their head. They were going to have 10 group stages in the Champions League. 10 games, dead rubbers largely, mm. just to create a final 32 so you can get more broadcast revenue to, to then go on. And that crazy idea that a couple of wild card picks to go into the Champions League. So we're absolutely working with everyone else. But it brings me back to if my core message is why is it so important that we work with the government? It's because if the government changes anything, they will change it for every club in this country. There's no, there's no point Arsenal beating Fulham 6-0 every week, is there? The, the jeopardy that we might get a one-all draw with them or lose to them or mm. lose to Everton as last week is, is the joy that we, we enjoy winning because we know it doesn't always happen and it's part of the pyramid. Especially so this couldn't, season. Couldn't give a greater commitment. I know it pisses us <laughs> off and we don't like to watch it, but we also kind of know that it's it's kind of know that it's good for us. Mm. We kind of know in the round. I, I always say to people, you know, you can't enjoy being champions if you haven't had a year of coming 10th. Or rather, you enjoy the year of coming champions a lot more mm. if you can remember that year of coming temp. So absolutely, the way to deal with the pandemic and the pressures of be- that have been put on football aren't to break away and hoard more of the money amongst a few. It's to share the revenue so you have a flourishing pyramid, sporting competition, and we all watch football week in, week out without knowing what the outcome might be and where we know that, you know, supporters of Liverpool, Manchester United, Fulham, Palace, they deserve to be treated with just as much respect as Arsenal fans do. So that's absolutely what we're fighting for. Okay, you and the Arsenal Supporters Trust have have long opposed the idea of debt being leveraged on the club. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think that's a position that most people would uh, be on board with. 
do you, you know, I know you're saying you're not endorsing Daniel Exbit or anything like that. You're talking and you're listening and you're making uh, your judgments based on what you hear and, and what's going on. But do you, would you have concerns that the level of um, investment required to make something like this happen can only come from the kind of deal that would leverage the debt on the club in the similar way that the Glazers purchased Manchester United. Daniel Ek is a rich guy, but I don't think he's so rich that he can just pluck two and a half billion out of his pocket and, and lay it down and, and buy it. So venture capital, debt leveraged on the club and repayments of debts and, and everything else. Is that a concern for you, particularly when you're striving to make the kind of changes to football ownership structure that you're talking about? It's absolutely a concern. And I think we, we talked earlier on about football's rule books and government legislation. I think they should look very hard in this review about making it in effect against the rules, be it the government's rules or football's rules, to have debt placed on the club like this because it's not what you have in a sustainable football structure. Now, I almost immediately I said to Daniel Eck, can you give me a commitment that there is no debt leverage going on to Arsenal? You will not... Ban- and he said to me, yes. Now, it wasn't a long conversation. I'll have a lot of details on that. And I, I and my AST colleagues are a long, long way from endorsing his bid. Um, I'm not sure we would ever endorse anybody's bid, actually, Andrew, because we've got principles that we would say, well, if you meet them, this is what we'd expect anyone to do. But you're quite right that that is something that needs looking at much more. And my message to Daniel Ek and anyone else thinking of taking over any English football club, not just Arsenal football club, is at the point of making a formal bid, you should explain where the financing is coming from. The accountability and transparency should be that there is no financial irregularity or concern like that taking place. Final question then, and we talked about this earlier, and um, it's, it's something you're strong on, is fan representation, fans being on the board, fans having a say in how their club is run. It wasn't long ago that the Arsenal board was run pretty much entirely by Arsenal fans. And those Arsenal fans sold the club to Stan Kroenke and Ali Sharuzmanov. So is it not more important to get good people in positions where they're making decisions rather than fans? I'm not saying the two things can't be married, but it doesn't mean just because someone is a fan that they're not at some point going to act in their own self-interest. Well, well, again, very, very good question that leads to a point which is why I think you must have the structures that protect the club. So the structures must allow for a golden share or some form of veto and the rule books of the Premier League and so on, so that you cannot have decisions which clearly breach any reasonable test of custodianship or looking after the long-term future of the club. I, could, I would really agree with that. It's, it's not just about the individual. It's, a, it's about the structure and the framework. All right, Tim, thank you very much indeed for your time. Really do appreciate it as always. Keep up the good work. Thank you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you to Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Tim Payton, at Tim Payton. And of course, you can find out what the Arsenal Supporters Trust are doing by visiting arsenaltrust.org. Okay, we will leave it there for now. As always, thank you very much indeed for your support on Patreon. It means the world to us. We will be previewing the Villarreal second leg tomorrow, Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, take it easy, folks. Stay safe, stay well, and we will catch you on the next one. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.